A missed opportunity is one of the most annoying and frustrating things that can happen in life. In Mark chapter three, there is a story where we see two missed opportunities. Both of them are centered around a chance to make the right decision, say the right thing, or even correct a wrong. Sadly, in our story, the wrong decisions were made and there was no chance to backtrack. But maybe today's teaching can save you from doing or saying the wrong thing and give you some perspective for the year ahead. It is never too late to make good decisions. What missed opportunities have you had in your life? There are always the big things like, I should have taken that job, or what if I moved into a different house, or maybe gone a different route in my life completely. For many of us, the ones that haunt us are based on relationships. Things we said that should have kept to ourselves. Reactions that were way out of line. The stuff that shows our emotional intelligence or our spiritual maturity. This can happen in the heat of a moment. Or maybe you just sit around by yourself way too long and build scenarios in your head, and then all of a sudden you're acting like a crazy person and nobody knows why, including yourself, later that night. I've been there, I've done that. The bad news is, you can't change your past. The good news is, you have an entire life ahead of you to make good decisions. Decisions that make the world a better place for everyone around you. In life, we do not get second chances on situations. You get one life, one chance, limiting the amount of do-overs that you want to claim in life is a big part about becoming a functioning adult. Let's take a look at the story in the book of Mark. So Mark chapter three, starting in verse 20. Then the multitude came together again, so that they could not so much as eat bread. But when his own people heard about this, they went out to lay a hold of him, for they said, He is out of his mind. And the scribes who came down from Jerusalem said, He has Beelzebub, and by the ruler of demons he casts out demons. So he, Jesus, called them to himself and said to them in parables, How can Satan cast out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And if a house is divided against itself, the house cannot stand. And if Satan has risen up against himself and is divided, he cannot stand, but he has an end. No one can enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man and then he plunders the house. Assuredly, I say to you, all sins will be forgiven, the sins of men, and whatever blasphemies they may utter, but he who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness, but is subject to the eternal condemnation. Let's look at some missed opportunities in this narrative from Jesus' life. In the New American Standard Version, it points out that his people 
actually meant his family. His family had a giant missed opportunity in this scripture. And by their words and their actions, they put into motion something that spiraled out of control. His family missed an opportunity to support Jesus and in doing so, build the kingdom of God. They came to Jesus with the accusation that he was no longer being rational. There is probably a genuine concern happening here, but there are a few weird details to keep in mind. Number one, Jesus' mother, Mary, the matriarch of the family. Obviously, she knew that Jesus was the Son of God. You don't go through all those encounters with God and angels and not know who Jesus was. Also, two of his brothers were counted as disciples. So they obviously knew who Jesus was and could see that he was at very least a very special human being. So why would they travel 30 miles to subdue him? Their reaction in this situation is a bit over the top. Best case scenario, they thought he was tired and needed to take some self-care time. Worst case scenario, they thought he was literally losing his mind. Now, next week, Pastor Nikki is going to take this teaching on true family to a whole new level. You are not going to want to miss that. But for today, Jesus' family missed an opportunity to support the kingdom of God. Now, they could have absolutely helped de-escalate this situation. When there is all this busyness and commotion, it feels like everyone's reacting poorly, the first thing you want to do is calm things down. Get people from looking at what they feel needs to happen and get them to look at what is good for the collective group. Now, sometimes our small opinions turn situations into mayhem when we're really, we should be looking at things from the perspective of others. In the New Testament, the Apostle Paul, who wrote most of it, he urged Christians and churches to prefer one another. This is a missed opportunity. A different approach, well, it would have helped them understand Jesus' mission, and they would have made the most out of this opportunity that was sitting in front of them but they didn't take that opportunity. But this brings us to the second missed opportunity in the scripture, and it involves the scribes. Now, the scribes, as we remember, are the watchdogs of the spiritual elite, lovers of rule and order. They are the first ones to let you know how you offended them and how you are living your life wrong. Not just Pharisees, but top Pharisees. They, they knew what they were doing. These are the special ones, though, in this scripture that rolled in from Jerusalem. For whatever reason, they were there once again at Jesus' house. There is something special about telling people to go home or maybe not telling people where you live. It would have probably helped out many of these stories. But in the course of a few chapters in Mark's gospel, we went from I don't like your friends all the way to you are pretty much the devil. Even by using the term Beelzebub, they were layering the insults. 
This was the name of the most evil deity in Canaanite history. Anyone listening to the Pharisees sharing their opinions on Jesus, their jaws would have dropped. So follow the progression. Jesus, you might need a nap. We're worried about your, self, your self-care. Jesus, you have a demon. Jesus, you are best friends with a super demon. That is a heck of a progression. See, and Jesus comes out with these statements. The devil cannot cast out the devil. It would be like saying, I'm going to beat myself up right now. Then he speaks of division in kingdoms and houses. Imagine a person standing unassisted with two legs. If you kick a leg out from under them, they're going to fall over. That person cannot stand. This is the type of division that Jesus is talking about. Division is something that the authors of the New Testament bring up over and over and over again. Romans 16, 1 Corinthians 1, Titus 3, Jude 1, Ephesians 4, and on and on. This is a hot topic and has been since the early church. We need to fight against division in our homes, our marriages, our friendships, our families, even in our churches. It was important in scripture and it is important now. We get these warnings against this mentality of division as it sneaks in to do and to do harm. Jesus is saying, why would I divide what I'm doing in my kingdom? Aren't you doing enough causing division for the rest of us? That's my commentary. But then in verse 27, Jesus, he hits hard this foreshadowing on how he's going to take the keys of sin and death from the ruler of the world. He's declaring that the reign of the kingdom that endorses this type of behavior is coming to a close. Before he continues with his next statement, it's almost like he was giving one more chance to repent of misguided action that's turning into relational and spiritual terrorism. But then Jesus drops verses 28 and 29. He says, assuredly, I say to you, all sins will be forgiven. The sons of men and whatever blasphemies they may utter, but... He who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness, but is subject to eternal condemnation. Because they said he has an unclean spirit. This is the equivalent of saying, because of what you have said today, you're going to hell because you can't be forgiven. That is a huge judgment that Jesus is making against the Pharisees. Jesus knows how to end a party and an argument. See, we miss opportunities just like Jesus' family and the Pharisees more often than we think we do. But on this day 2,000 years ago, these weren't minor conversations about feelings. This was true division that was caused, and because of it, whatever God was going to do that day with those who were gathered, it was stopped. Jesus' family were allowed to have opinions, so were the Pharisees. However, sometimes it's best to keep our opinions to ourselves. We have denominational lines. We have opinions. We we have thoughts on the afterlife that we argue about. How a person should be baptized. How to read the Bible. Which Bible to read. How to love one's neighbor. 
And one day I hope we all realize that these things are less important than we think they are. The older I get, the more I know I've made mistakes, but I also know that I have this need to come back to Jesus every day. He is the author, he is the finisher of my faith. In the third and fourth centuries and throughout church history, creeds were written to give standards to belief systems and doctrine. And we often return to these early church practices for grounding because they bring clarity, peace, and wisdom. I'm gonna read one of these creeds and this is called the Nicene Creed. Now it would be read, memorized, and shared as a declaration of truth among the early Christians. We believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, begotten from the Father before all ages, God from God, light from light, true God from true God. He was begotten, not made, of the same essence as the Father. Through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven. He became incarnate by the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and he was made human. He was crucified for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried. The third day he rose again, according to the scriptures. He ascended to heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again with glory to judge the living and the dead. His kingdom will never end, and we believe in the Holy Spirit the Lord, the giver of life. He proceeds from the Father and the Son, and with the Father and the Son is worshiped and glorified. He spoke through the prophets, and we believe in the one holy Catholic and apostolic church. We affirm one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look forward to the resurrection of the dead and the life in the world to come. In Jesus' name, amen.